This Week in Baby Quest. What's the deal with parenting? You're not renting. There are no pairs involved. Am I right, people? I wish you could see my face right now. baby quest my name is mike and i'm leah so how are you i'm pretty good yeah i think how are you okay good good we're doing a podcast yeah 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 um and i'm sitting on a somewhat creaky chair so apologies in advance nobody heard that also apologies in advance for leah smacking her hand on the desk constantly over and over and over and over again like last week I don't know if it was that bad. You didn't, you have not listened to it. Anyway, this week we're going to talk about parenting, parenting your deceased child. Yeah, and what that's like. Which is an interesting thing that I'd never really thought about very much before we had our own deceased child. Yeah, and I mean, I guess like to start, like parenting a living child, it takes some work. And you are not automatically very good at it in the beginning. And you need to build (laughs) a relationship with your child. Yes, that's very true. Which is more challenging when they're deceased. (laughs) So I wanted to talk about how I always, like, I for sure consider myself a parent. I obviously consider myself to be Eliza's father. Um... I have a daughter, for sure, for sure, for sure. There's no, like, no weird doubts or thoughts or anything like that in my mind. I do sometimes, often, feel not very parenty. Like, I don't feel like I do a lot of parenting things. And I do struggle to actually feel like a parent in sort of, like, the the active idea of being a parent. Yeah, and I think that's because, like, a lot of things that you think of when you think of a parent is very, like, active, day-to-day, practical things. It's not, like, I don't think if you have a living child and you only have a living child that you would think about, how do I preserve this tiny human's memory? Yeah, it's very much, I don't know, it's kind of like the like logical versus emotional abstract. or abstract ideas of yeah. parenting, right? Yeah. Like, and actually, <laughs> I don't know which is which. I mean, I would, in the beginning, I would say we were definitely like, it was like more of an abstract thought that we were parents to Eliza. It was like a concept that I like definitely struggled with and thought a lot about. Mm-hmm. But, like, now, I would say that that's less of an abstract idea. Yeah. But I think that comes from needing to build that relationship with your child. And the way you build that relationship with your child is you talk about them, you look at their pictures, you look at the things in their memory box. 
You start a podcast. You start a podcast. You start an Instagram account. You start a podcast to prove that you are a parent to them uh, and everyone else. You so find I an keep calling you a liar. You find an organization that is, you know, a part of the lost community that you can like give back to in a way. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you start. I mean, I've seen people online who start, you know, charity organizations. They do fundraising. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that that's definitely all, those are all great things that you can do to develop your relationship with your child. But it's also starting a charitable organization is not like a typical parenting thing. No. It's not something that makes you feel especially parenty. No. <laughs> not really. But I guess that... Parents uh, of deceased children have to find different ways <laughs> different to... Different outlets. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because you don't have that person in front of you all the time. Mm-hmm. So you've got to find something else that you can do. One thing that I struggled with a lot, especially in the beginning, was that everything felt extremely permanent with regards to parenting we both felt that like we were being asked to make decisions before she was even born oh there's that that we then like you know i remember spending like countless nights awake in the middle of the night at like 3 a.m not able to sleep because i was just like going over every decision we made we had an autopsy done was that the right decision we decided to cremate her. Was that the right decision? Um, we decided that we were going to be the only people that held her. Both of our mothers saw her, but never held her. Was that the right decision? Um, right? And you just like go over every single thing and you think, did I make the right decision? Yeah. And I mean, but the problem is maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But there's or maybe no, that maybe there are things that you would change, but there's no There's second no going chance. back. Yeah. Can't we can't do it again? Even, yeah. And early on, even with like much more trivial things, like I remember not long after I got back to work, uh, four of my like myself and three coworkers, we were all hanging out at work, doing work, <laughs> working hard, chatting, talking as you do, water cooler talk, you know. And I don't even remember it now, even though it was devastating at the time, um, but. Someone said something about kids, and then I said to the two other guys, like two of the other guys in the group, well, you guys are parents, you know, what do you think? And, like, I excluded myself from being considered a parent. And as soon as the words were out of my mouth, like, I just, I totally died on the inside. I was like, well, I've already forgotten I have a daughter. I've ruined everything. Everyone here thinks I'm terrible. Uh, This is completely unforgivable. I mean, we've both, I've done that too. And it was just, it was just, you know... Like, I've told total people up, but... that I don't have kids when they ask because, and I tend to do it as, like, if I'm never going to talk to this person again, I don't bother getting into it. Right. But that's totally different. This was me saying, like, well, these two people are parents and excluding and myself. Not. Like, yeah. I, was ex- I was explicitly saying I'm not a parent. Yeah. In this, in the context of this conversation. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I said it, I realized what I said and just totally, like, it was devastating. And it was basically like, well, I've let Eliza down and this is it. Like, 
this is, I can't fix this. It will be this way forever. It just felt so, so permanent. Like, yeah. this is it. This is my relationship with her. And I've already, like, screwed it up. And No, you got lots of time. Well, the thing is, I went to, like, <laughs> immediately went to our social worker after that and was telling her what a terrible person I am <laughs> and all this stuff. And she said that that's part of the thing about parenting your dead child is that everything feels super permanent. Like, you, parents of living children also make mistakes. But they have the next day to try it again. Yeah, then they can try again and try and get things right and make new mistakes and things like that. This just felt like I'd ruined it forever. Yeah. And pretty much everything with Eliza kind of has... I don't even want to say recently, so maybe it is changing, but especially early on. Well, I think we got, or we are getting more confident in, we are becoming more confident parents, right? So when you have a living child, I assume in the beginning you're, you know, worrying about like, oh, am I doing this the right way? Should I be doing something differently, right? And I know lots of my friends have had like the breastfeeding versus bottle debate and like when they can't breastfeed they feel like they're failing and you know we have those same feelings just over different ideas right like we we still feel like we're failing a little bit sometimes but then as you do it you get more confident and you like are like oh yeah no okay this is fine like yeah i believe in myself now as a parent that i'm going to make the best issues best decision I can with the information I have. Yeah. But still, with a lot of the big decisions that had to be made, those are big one-time decisions. Yeah. And like, you know, you think I've like been thinking back on that now. And I mean, it is a little crazy that we are asked to make those decisions in like the worst 24 hours we have had to live. That you're being asked, like, that somebody is coming into your hospital room and saying, okay, so would you like an autopsy to be done? Okay, so you're going to need to contact a funeral home and arrange whatever you want to have done. Oh, you're going to have to pick out an urn. Oh, you're We didn't have to pick out an urn at the hospital. No, but like, (laughs) but that's like another thing, right? Like, it's just like, you're, you're starting, you're being given like this to-do list in like the worst moment of your life. And you're like, what? Okay, I guess we'll start making choices when you don't even really like understand what you're being asked of, like Mm -hmm. what somebody's asking you to do. Mm -hmm. That's why you need the best nurse in the world like we had. I mean, yes. But like even she can't, you know, she can, she suggested things to us, but she couldn't like tell us if it was right or wrong that we decided to get an autopsy done or if it was right or wrong or that we decided to cremate Eliza versus bury her. No, not at all. But you keep bringing up the autopsy. Was there, was that a big decision we had to make? I don't even remember that. Would we have not done that for any reason? I don't know. I thought that felt very obvious for us. I mean, it did. And like looking back, would I change it? No, absolutely not. But like it still like it really stood out in my mind when they asked about that. And knowing what an autopsy entails, like that's like a strange thought that my brain, I think, is still trying to like wrap its head around Mm. that happened. Not as bad as a cremation. No, see, like, that's less <laughs> really? weird for my brain to, like, work its way through. Yeah? Yeah. 
Oh, I'd rather have someone cut me than be burned into ash. Mm, no. <laughs> no? <laughs> it's just not as weird of an idea to me. Or maybe like, not, I don't know. I maybe know exactly it's because, what you're talking about. like, the autopsy was being, stupid. being performed on my daughter that it's like a weirder idea. Yeah, absolutely. Just like it was weird when they brought her to us on the third day that we saw her when we were in the hospital. Oh, because I, so I had to be in the hospital for three days because I had had a C-section. And because of my other medical issues, they wanted to keep me for like an extended period of time to watch and make sure everything was okay. I know lots of people who deliver vaginally when they deliver and their baby has died. They're released from the hospital eight hours later. Like they go home the same day. So us staying and seeing Eliza three, for three days was like a very different experience. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Continue. I don't know how you would go home eight hours after that. I don't know what you would do. Everyone who did that, if you're listening. Yeah. Great job. I mean. I'm impressed. We, so I like, you know, I, when some, when I first heard that from people that they went home eight hours later, I was like, oh, you only got eight hours with your baby. We had three days. And then I kind of like counted the hours that we actually spent with Eliza because we spent time with her and then we asked for her to leave the room because we needed a break, really, I think is what it like came down to. And so when I counted all the hours that we spent with her, it was about eight. We just didn't spend it all in one day. We spread it out over three days. Yeah. Anyway... What I was saying about the third day is when they brought her up on the third day and she was in her extremely beautiful christening gown and her cap and everything and she looks so beautiful. They brought her... (laughs) So the first two days she was staying in the room next to us and being, you know, slightly chilled. Um... We are sorry for people who have not experienced this and we are now describing it to you because it's going to sound weird. I'm not sorry. For anybody who like has gone through this is probably going to be like nodding their head along being like, oh yes, I, I remember that. I apologize for nothing. <laughs> but on the third day they brought her in and she had been very obviously in the morgue and she was cold, 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 cold. Yeah. Is what yeah. I remember. But seeing her that third day. Yeah. And that was... That was tough to handle. Thinking about her being in the morgue was really... It was when they said, we have to bring her back. We'll have to go down and get her and bring her up. Yeah. That I was like, oh, okay. I know where she is. And so the, the even weirder thing is that at the time, obviously I didn't acknowledge it or bring it up or anything with Leah. (laughs) And I, for some reason, was like convinced that Leah wouldn't notice this or didn't notice. (laughs) And we literally did not talk about this until sometime in the last month. It was like the last two weeks. (laughs) It finally came up. And I was like, oh, you knew too? And And I was like, like, yeah, duh, I knew. (laughs) Wasn't that weird and bad? But also, I mean, so I will say that I definitely monopolized the time with Eliza, and I held her way more than you, and I'm sorry for that. (laughs) Oops. I didn't realize I was doing it at the time. It wasn't a conscious thing. I don't even know if you did that much. Like, you probably had her more than I did, but I didn't feel like I was... Losing out on... No, not at all. Time? No, I I had her a lot. I had her a ton. Okay. We have lots of pictures to prove it. Okay. 
So whenever she would come, got brought into the room, the nurse always handed her to me first. Sexist. (laughs) Probably. So I would hold her for a little bit, even like the first two days when she was just kind of cool. I would hold her for a little bit and then give her to Mike. And so I think like Mike probably didn't notice. She was pretty cool when she came in those two days. But I probably warmed her up a little bit (laughs) before you got her. So it was probably not like... Maybe. But yeah, the third day she was cold. I mean, she wasn't warm like an alive person. No, no, no. We also didn't see her right after she was born. Which was another very permanent decision we had to make on the spot. Now, was it the right decision? Absolutely, because I was out of my goddamn mind on drugs. Yes. And... Well, then I've heard from other dads, like, who, um, you know, took their baby and... Like, right away, yeah. Right away and helped get them all cleaned up and do all the normal normal baby baby stuff. stuff, yeah. And I was like, oh, that... Maybe that would have been nice, but also it would have been... Leah was, like, whacked off her gorge, so (laughs) it wouldn't have really been... And that was not even part of my... Like, that didn't play into the decision-making at the time. Like, I would, didn't even think about that. That's not like, oh, I gotta wait for Leah to be not kooky and drugged up. That wasn't part of it. It was just, like, we that we were still at a point where we had no idea how much or if at all, really, we would want to see her. Like, we didn't know. We didn't think that we were Well, especially ready for you. You, like, you were very nervous about it. I went into that... <laughs> The day she was born, knowing I'm going to need to see, at least see her and hold her. I I didn't know for how long, but I knew that I was going to need to do that. Oh, no, I agree with that. And I was, I knew that like as a person, this is something I'm going to need for me. And also I had two people tell me, Leah, I think it's really important that you do this. Yeah, no, I never, I never doubted that, but I. But you were like a little hesitant about the like. That concept. I was hesitant about the whole situation, I think. But really, it was, I, th- I was thinking it, was, it would be more like we would see her for 15 minutes and say our goodbyes kind of thing. I didn't know that we would want to spend all this time with her. Yeah. Which, you know, having done it, yeah, of course. <laughs> we spent hours and hours and hours with her. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're extremely off topic. Yeah, a little bit. Oh, I w- was going to say, so I've noticed... A little bit with some people that I know that, you know, I can talk about my my pregnancy experience very well with a group of other people who have also been pregnant and had babies. And I can even talk about my birth experience to a certain extent with a group of people that have given birth. What I can't talk about is parenting as much because I haven't parented a living child. I haven't done the 2 a.m. wake like feeds. I haven't gone on, you know, three hours of sleep. I haven't had a teething child. You know, these are things that I haven't experienced yet as a parent. So when the conversation leads to, you know, parenting and, you know, talking about that kind of stuff, I, I can't really contribute. So then I feel a little left out. But I also notice that sometimes, you know, I have, you know, comments or advice on pregnancy and birth, but I also have comments and advice on child development. And that's because I'm an early childhood educator. And so I have a lot of knowledge about child development. And I get a, I've gotten a couple people kind of brush me off of, you know, not 
not really listening to what I'm saying, even though I'm not trying to come at it as a, well, I'm a parent too, I can give you advice. I'm, I'm solely coming at it as an educator trying to give advice. And it gets, like, dismissed. Yeah, more like, this is all I've done for the last decade. <laughs> yeah, basically. This is all I've read about and worked at every day. Yeah. So that's, like, an interesting experience that I've had. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that'll change when I have, you know, living children. My knowledge isn't going to change. <laughs> I'm still going to have the same developmental knowledge of children. Still got the same brain. Yeah. So that's like a weird thing that has happened yeah, lately. It's, it's, it is weird because we're legitimately parents. The love I feel for my child is the same as the love another parent feels for their child. That's all there. But nothing else is the same. We get to <laughs> sleep like in. <laughs> the Venn diagrams yeah. of parenting, living, and deceased child, like they cross over... At the one point that says love, and it's, like, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then, besides that, they're completely separate, I think. Yeah, probably, yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess there are some concepts that would be the same. But practically speaking, in the things that you do, they're different. They're varied. They're separate. Okay. This is my insightful comment. Great. Well, now that I've told the truth, and... <laughs> Everyone agrees with all the interesting things that I just said. All right, so I think we did it. Is that a podcast? I think it's kind of a podcast. Send us an email. Let us know if that's a podcast. We don't have email. Just send it to Leah's personal email. You can send us a message on Instagram at babyquestpod. Or a Twitter at babyquestcast. Like, subscribe, and review. I don't know if you want. Is that a thing? Maybe you can't like a podcast. You can probably subscribe or review. We've got some five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, Mm. which is exciting. Should we read them next time? I mean, there's nothing to read. What are you doing? Oh, there wasn't like a comment. It was just a five. I get you. No, we still just have the one. I got you. So yeah, thanks for listening. If you have any questions or comments or whatever, let us know because we like those. If you have ideas or suggestions for topics, we'd love to hear them. And I think that's about it. We'll see you next week. I love you. Bye. Mwah.